Prayer by Tara Aghlashlu Do you suppose that if I repeat the prose of this poem like beads of prayer or the prancing of a hungry feline around its prey, if I continue typing with my black nail polish on the silver keyboard, that my wishes will come true? Do I want to be under or overestimated? Maybe I take pride in being late every time we have to meet only because time has never been my friend, nor an enemy, just a person you always see at parties and never really find the interest to greet. Do you think if we were lovers and you saw me now, in love with the man of my dreams, vows exchanged, a life of two, forever in his arms, ugly or hot, only for him, would you be jealous? Do you find it annoying when I laugh? as much as I hate anyone chewing gum nearby? Do you find it thrilling when I dance? Are you charmed or irate by the number of times I've said I? How obnoxiously self-aware. Do you think friends are ever family or that your family can ever be a friend? Is it childish not to want to be alone, the delusion of solidarity the delight of community. Do you think art is ever more important than life? And is my life a waste chasing art? And what of politics? What of it? How do we permeate the impenetrable constellation of fate and the drama of power? Home is the only policy I have left. Human is the only power worth fighting for. Do you suppose that if I repeat the prose of this poem, like beads of prayer, or the prancing of a hungry feline around its prey, if I continue typing with my black nail polish on the silver keyboard, that my wishes will come true? Do you suppose that if I repeat the prose of this poem, like beads of prayer, like beads of prayer, like beads of prayer, Hey, this is Ali Ruskash and welcome 
to the AR Podcast. This is the AR Podcast. In the eyes of a young teenager, moving into a new house could mean loss of friends you've spent a long time getting to know. It could also mean exploring a new world, taking in all the information possible to finally get to know your surroundings. Now, what goes through the mind of a 14-year-old when the entire scenery changes right before their eyes? When the family decides to immigrate to another country. Tara Ardashlu took on this very demanding challenge in the year 2002. She embraced the new world she had stepped in, fully understood the magnitude of the change, and in the process, became who we now know of. You left Iran when you were 14 years old, and uh, for a 14-year-old girl, or a boy, it doesn't really matter, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very, I'd say, difficult experience even to change schools. And it's, uh, it's uh, the, the fact that you have to adapt with, with a new situation and you have to find new friends, uh, that's a huge deal for a teenager. So how did, you, how did you adapt with the fact that you left Iran and then the entire scenery in front of you changed, uh, the fact that the, you, have, you basically have to change cultures, kind of, uh, like, you know, to adapt. So how did you do it? How did you accomplish that? Oh God, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was honestly the most difficult experience of my life. Um, by virtue of the age, obviously, I think at that age in Iran, um, I had just started to feel settled with my identity and my group of friends. And um, it was a huge shift to go from that to a country that obviously culturally is very different, um, but also Canada in particular, I think, uh, is not like the States or like Europe. It is quite a, I don't know how to say this politely, but culture isn't, doesn't have a huge part in Canada and it was a huge part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really feel like there was anything or anyone that I could latch on to there. Uh, there was a huge sports culture, for example, in my high school, but and I liked to play basketball, but that wasn't really my entire thing. So I really struggled with finding people to talk to, even Iranians who I knew there were either older than me or, you know, kind of a little bit different to me. So um, I, I have to say, like, the four years of high school there was a lot of, like, full of confusion and isolation and um very emotional i was very i was a very emotional teenager but then the move just heightened that um and i guess how i dealt with with it was i tried to kind of get into but especially towards the end of it i started sort of signing up for the basketball team and um you know i i, I tried to kind of integrate a little bit more into that culture, whatever it was, because I think a lot of times with Iranian immigrants or any immigrants, the most comfortable scene is obviously your own community. Um, and Canada is great in the sense that it does invite you to take part in its broader sort of society and culture. So I started really pushing myself to get into it and I started, you know, I really worked on my language skills. I, um, uh, especially from high school to university, once I entered university, I felt a bit more confident with my communication. 
And so I started just hanging out with more local Canadian people and people who liked or shared my interests. That kind of, it came together a bit more in university and I felt very different. Within four or five years, I really felt more confident and settled into my new environment. But I, I tell everyone, like, you can't really escape the misery of the first few years. Even if you speak English, even if you have loads of money, like no matter what assets or privileges you have, it's going to be a very difficult transition. And, you know, I wasn't very different to everyone else in that sense. You said that you were going to go to a trip and all I could think of was uh, how safe is it for anybody to go to a trip right now? Like, you know, with the COVID-19 and everything, did you follow any like, you know, protocols or like, you know, were you aware of the, of the craziness? When I went to Canada? Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, I'm one of the many Iranians for who the, the family has been, you know, completely spread around the world. Yeah. Um, and our base has been in Toronto for a long time. So I had, you know, planned to go back there in March. Um, but then obviously with, with the COVID situation, we waited and waited and waited. Um, and then it got to a point that I was like, I have to see my family because both my father and my brother were, were there at the time. Um, thankfully, because I'm a Canadian citizen, I was allowed back in and it was, uh, we waited for some regulations and things to kind of, um, loosen up a bit. Um, and then, yeah. And then we just, we just basically went there. We had to be isolating, um, which wasn't a problem. And yeah, and that was it. And, you know, comparing to the UK where I'm based now in London, Canada is actually a lot more safe, let's say, or at least it feels safer. It's dealt with the pandemic much more effectively. So um, it was actually nice to be in quarantine there with the family as opposed to in London, which can get a bit, you know, confusing and hectic with all the changing policies every day and all of that. So Okay, and the fact that you're here with me, you know, and I'm talking to you, just uh, safe and sound, it makes me very happy. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of distance <laughs> between us. Yeah. So, um, Tara, nobody really, uh, like, I, I don't know if anybody has asked you this question before. Um, every time you go to an interview, like, you know, because everybody knows you as who you are right now, and nobody really talks to you about the fact that, like, you know, you obviously have had a journey uh, bef- before you become, became, you know, this, uh, the, uh, the figure that we know of uh, today. Uh, so can you t- tell me how did you become uh, the Torah that we know of today? Ooh, well, I don't know what, what Torah you, you know, <laughs> because <laughs> it's all very subjective. But in terms of who I feel like I am today, I can tell you that it definitely has been a journey that started back in Iran, obviously, and um, um, as you might know, I grew up with uh, within a very sort of cultural, artistic family, so I always um, felt very attracted to possibilities of um, both the creative world, but also just, I think my family was very encouraging of me to kind of uh, follow my dreams and be who I want to be, which especially for Iranian families, I know that can be very novel because a lot of times it's 
you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or um so since an early age I feel like I had a bit of an ADD I I loved art I loved to write um I also really liked astronomy and I liked um social justice issues I was always always very attracted to um you know that you know that sort of realm of things with human rights and philosophy and history so it when i was really young you know as as a 9 year old or a 10 year old it felt like there was too much to do um and i'm not looking back i'm not surprised that it took such a long time and doing many different things a lot of them at the same time um to get to a point where i'm really settled into um writing and working on films and uh, the fact that you're talking about the fact that like you know you had a lot of dreams when when you were a kid you have uh, basically uh, accomplished most of them so congratulations thank you <laughs> except for astronomy <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe in the future yeah for a long time you know especially when i got into journalism a lot of people kept telling me that you know if you, if you are to be a serious journalist you can't really be an artist or do other things and uh whether it was some professors or colleagues a lot of people kept telling me that um you know journalists have to be very objective and their voice has to be um sort of hiding behind the story and the news and the facts and um i mean the world has also changed in the past 10 years i think journalism has changed but that was really the expectation and um and that was one of the things i really struggled with because i did feel um like i wanted to do more than you know the 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 500 word count limit that they had given me or the 15 minute um slot on on whatever tv program i was making stuff for so it did feel a bit con- constricting and i felt like any day now i'm going to sort of break out of this shell. Yeah. But in many ways the work I did and what I learned in journalism school and all the side uh sort of interests that I um studied in university so philosophy, history, art um they did kind of really complement each other in the long term. So I don't I don't regret doing anything that I've done until now, but um and a lot of people when they ask me if you know they should go to journalism school and and I never know why anyone would ask me for advice <laughs> I I do think a lot of it is what you make out of it and um there isn't a blueprint especially with these things with medicine with law it's a lot more the path is quite clear clearly set out for you yeah. but in types of fields you just have to be very hungry and very um uh and be okay with taking rejection because rule number 1 in journalism and in film i think is how to deal with hearing no because you're going to hear a lot of no's before you ever hear a yes so you are a kind of person that i know like you know like i i know you're kind you always like you know i'm pretty sure you're multitasking all the time and uh the fact that you've gone from 
uh, like, you know, I'd say different categories of, like, you know, works and jobs, basically, come, you know, going to curation and then to filmmaking. And you right now you've settled as a filmmaker, I believe, but I'm pretty sure that that's not going to be the last that last that you, we're going to see from you. I'm pretty sure you're going to go into something else, maybe astronomy <laughs> in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, what is the, how do you get the energy? Like, you know, where is this driving force coming from? <laughs> I'm tempted to throw in an astrophysic uh, formula for you, but when you have a lot of energy, you have to trans transform it into another thing. And I do have a lot of energy. I don't know where it comes from. I'm just curious. I'm a curious person. And I think you see that in everything that I do, whether it's, you know, journalism comes from a curiosity to learn about other people and their stories and their plights or successes. Same thing with curation. Curation was me seeking out other artists and connecting with their work and wanting to give them a voice. Same thing with filmmaking and writing, um, which is a nice mixture of expressing yourself, your emotional status, your point of view, whilst as well as seeking out other uh, stories that you encounter every day. Um, so I think I've always been sort of my antennas have been very sort of high up and I've just since I was a kid been picking up a lot of what happens around me. Um, and what I realized was that if I don't channel it out in whatever way form, then I just start to crash. So a lot of it is also just selfishly keeping me going. Um, you know, when I, um, uh, when I decided to stay in London and I got married, I was I was really freaking out about because at that time I had also sort of changed, started to change my career a little bit more towards films and personal independent work. And I was freaking out because it was I wasn't used to not going into the office or going to university five, six, seven days a week. And I started working from home more and I was just I felt very anxious that, oh, my God, why am I at home? Like, am I just going to be a housewife now? This is this is messing up with my head. Um, but very soon things started to happen because, you know, I, I, I was able to now focus on my own work and um, find a new rhythm. Um, so I just I in many ways, I don't feel like things have changed so much. But when I look back, you're right. It's been curating and writing and poetry and and I'm sure it's going to go through more transitions so yeah and it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen next so um uh, you said um basically you were curious and that's why you went to journalism and then uh you were like you know you want to connect with artists and that's why you went to uh curation uh, then you became a writer and uh, how like how did you even think of poetry at some point? When did you know that you had the ability to um, like you know uh, start poetry? So it's funny because in many ways writing poetry is the baseline for all of these. It started before any type of professional or vocational sort of opportunity came my way. I basically, I, again, I do credit also the fact that, you know, my father's studio used to be in our house when I was little. So he had a little, well, he had a room and it was filled with books. It was, it was a library almost. And I was so enamored 
by these books, by these old books and their smell. And I loved reading. So I, I, I would even, um, when I was five or six years old, I would, without knowing how to read or write, I would take the books and just copy them without really knowing what I'm doing. I just liked books and I liked stories and I liked being able to, you know, write. Um, so it really was very organic the way it started. And I was eight or nine when, um, one of our best family, dearest family friends, Aliyah Dashti, um, passed away. And that was my first encounter with death. He had a type of cancer and, and, you know, he, he passed away. So I was very emotional when that happened. I really, really, he was like my uncle. And so I wrote a poem for him and I wrote the poem and I crumpled it and I, um, buried it in my backyard. Um, and it was so therapeutic for me, like having written how I felt in, in a poetic, you know, format. I use poetic loosely because I'm sure it wasn't a genius piece of prose, but that sort of started that habit. And it was really a habit. It wasn't necessarily to show anyone. I would just write a lot in my notebook and I read a lot. I was a bookworm. I was, I was always reading, um, you know, in Iran or in Canada during recess or lunch break, I usually had a book and I was reading. So uh, a lot of times I think that's how a lot of people start writing because you're reading and you're thinking about stories and your imagination just takes over and um, you kind of put it down on paper. So I started writing actually a short story when I was 11 or 12. And again, I was in school and during class, I would write it underneath neath my uh, desk and um and I got caught by one of my teachers once, and she confiscated the book. Oh, come on. Yeah, and then a few days later, <laughs> no, but it's, it has a good ending, because a few days later, she came to me, and she said, listen, I've read what you've written. I had written maybe 100 pages of it. And she said, you know what? In my class, you're allowed to sit here and finish writing this. So that's what I did, and I ended up writing this 300-page novel of some type. Um, and you know, my parents were encouraging it and, you know, and that teacher specifically. So I felt very excited by writing. And I honestly feel like if I was, if I never left Iran, I would just be writing because what threw me off was going to Canada and now dealing with an entire new language. And all of a sudden, what was my strength, which was writing, was a weakness. Yeah. It took a few years to master the English language and then sort of meet literature and writing again and make friends with it and say, you know what, maybe I don't, I don't even, I may not even have a perfect English, but this is what I like to do and I want to write. So I started writing poetry in English and I started publishing poetry in English and um, I realized that, you know what, this is, this is, still possible for me to to continue and that culminated in 2011 publishing my poetry collection in Farsi with Shahran publication and yeah and, and for me poetry has been has never been work you know it's never been a job it's been just it's been a first language almost 
you know, so I don't yeah. think it's ever going to go away. And I don't really care if I publish or not. It's just, it's its own thing. So, uh, okay, then you went to filmmaking, which for me is, uh, it's practically, I'd say, uh, poetry in motion. Uh, you have some sort of an idea in your head and you make it a possibility for everybody else to see what, you, you know, your imagination was. So um, I'd say, again, how did you know that the filmmaking was going to, uh, like, you know, become something that you uh, have a passion for? I was always a movie buff. I always enjoyed cinema and studied it. Um, I think one of the reasons in that critical age of choosing my university degree one of the reasons I didn't do cinema, because I had done some theater workshops at that time, and I was always thinking about different script ideas. And even my mom had, you know, would tell me, like, why won't you go and study cinema? You love cinema so much. I think a part of me wanted to do something, quote unquote, more serious, because I felt like a because of my dad being in the art world, if I enter the art world professionally, everyone's going to say, oh, it's because of her dad. And I just, at that time, I didn't, I wasn't equipped to to think about dealing with that all the time because it still follows me. I just don't care. Um, yeah. And so that was one thing. And another thing was, I really did think that maybe I can be more helpful to society if I am a journalist and that also turned out not to be <laughs> true. Um, so it got to a point where I was like, I, I really, uh, this has been with me and I've kind of been not listening to this voice either because I'm too shy or maybe I'm too scared. Like, let's be honest. Maybe it's easier to do something, um, for me, journalism and television work without really thinking that you belong there because you're always removed from it. And you can always say, well, I don't love it. So in a way, even if you, you know, do something that you're not super proud of, it doesn't matter. It's not your thing, the capital thing, you know. Yep. But if you enter something and you say, no, no, this is what I love to do and I, I think I might be good at it, then the failures are magnified and, you know, everything is just that. The stakes are higher for everything you do. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it was a fear factor too. But either way, um, I when I started doing um, this documentary that I worked on about my father, which was a nice culmination of this history of a lot of Iranians always sort of looking at me differently because of who my dad is. Um, and my journey, my documentary work and work with sort of facts and real stories. This documentary seemed to bring these worlds together and tie it in a nice bow and almost close that chapter for me. Um, so it was incredible, an incredible project to do. And once I started doing that, because I already knew that I love working with images. And as you said, it is really poetry of motion. Um, I really saw a lot of possibilities with working, not just on paper, but with a visual medium. 
And I always have been a very visual person. Um, so going into um, documentaries just gave me the skills and opened this, you know, universe of film. And I was, it was just too tantalizing not to jump into. So at this point, I'm in it. So <laughs> I'll tell you how it goes in a few years, but, but I am really enjoying it. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to see what's going to happen next. Uh, I'm, uh, I saw this music video um, that you had basically uh, directed. And it was, it was pretty interesting for me because it had some sort of a um, the French sort of a noir sort of a feeling to it. And I really, really did like it. And, um, and I saw an, an uh, ad. Uh, I think it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, was for a certain type of a perfume, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, now, like, you know, I'm really, really, I am waiting for the documentary to come out because let me, I'm, I've been going through the website to see if, if like, you know, we're getting closer <laughs> for it to get released. And I really want to watch it, not only because uh, it's got, um, you know, it's got basically talking uh, like, you know, about somebody who I really adore and, well, you know, who's your dad. And uh, like, you know, it's, it's got you as well. I really want to see like, you know, what you have brought into this a documentary so i can't wait to see that but uh, talking about your work um what has been your favorite project till date i mean obviously i have to say recently just the documentary i did with my dad tops everything you know i mean it was the most intensely emotional experience um and it just kept me up so many nights so many times i thought what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Can I just disappear and run away and not finish this? Because it's intense to look so closely at someone so important to you. Um, so that was, that was definitely not only a great experience as a storyteller, but also it just brought me so much closer to my father and it made me really understand him on a new level which, you know, hopefully when the film comes out, you'll know what I, what I mean and why I say that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I also have had a lot of, um, I've learned a lot doing every single project has been such a learning experience for me. And that's what I love about what I do is because I'm constantly, you know, I can pick a subject, I can throw myself at it and feel like I'm reinventing the wheel for myself, you know, yeah. and that's, curiosity aspect that comes into play I, I never get bored and I even have uh, projects that I've done um, one of the first ever articles I did in, in Canada for Ottawa Citizen uh, which never got published because there were some issues with um, not being able to publish it anonymously um, but it was a woman who was a Haitian refugee and I um, basically found her and I got very close to her and uh, met her children and basically did this entire feature story on her. And, uh, and I remember how it, it was a very sort of, you know, it touched me a lot to meet someone so vulnerable at the time in Canada. And again, it was one of those things where I felt, um, how I felt like these stories can, are, are important to be heard and we need to come you know, it, they bring us closer to each other, whether it's in a format of a news or a short film 
or a feature fil film or a documentary, um, I do want to be able to shed light on human experiences. And, and yes, music videos are fun. I don't think they are life changing. Some, some of them are, um, but a lot of them are just, you know, great fun. And, um, I'm, I'm glad that commercials are becoming a little bit more conscious of their impact too. So for example, it, it wasn't a poetry, uh, sorry, a perfume commercial. It was actually for a, um, clothing brand and it's, uh, it's a sustainable brand that's made by this young woman in London. So for me, it's also, I, I like to be involved with projects that I kind of believe in and, and still, you know, continue to grow as an artist. Okay, fine. And um, I was a little bit distracted by, is that, is that a cat or a dog? <laughs> <laughs> it just went on, uh, went on the chair. <laughs> say, say hi to it later. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with, uh, animals and then my cat is just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh fine so can you tell me what's next for tara what are we going to see from you next so i mean as you know with the covid situation like everybody else a lot of my projects and plans um shifted uh so a lot of things were postponed that were supposed that i was supposed to be working on this summer yeah. um but right now i've developed what was great about COVID, I mean, if I could use that sentence without being absolutely uh, <laughs> offensive to human being, um, personally, it did force me to uh, sit down and work on a few scripts that I was just, you know, as you said, I'm doing a million things at the same time. And script writing does need you to sit down and lock the world out and really concentrate. So I was able, able to uh, really make way on some of these scripts that I had lying around. Um, and at the moment, there is a short film that is in, um, uh, well, I guess you could say it's in development. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, there is a producer that I work with and um, we're trying to finance that project. Although, again, with COVID, things are a little bit tricky. Um, with my documentary that we talked about, uh, we were planning to release it this summer. We had some festival plans, uh, screening plans. All of that has also been a little bit upside down, yeah. So uh, I'm still excited because we do have some plans, hopefully, if things go well, for fall and spring for the documentary, which I will definitely announce as soon as it's concrete. Um, and then, yeah, and then I have some, um, you know, commercials that I'm working on and little projects here and there to keep working, essentially, and as always, you know, keep learning. Okay. So every time I think about the fact that I'm living in a, I'd say in the uh, most chaotic time uh, with the COVID-19 and everything else, uh, every time uh, I remind myself of the fact that I still have uh, the access to technology and I'm blessed with the fact that like, you know, we're living in 2020 and it's pretty easy to like, you know, talk to like, you know, very interesting people like yourself 
And uh, like, you know, just imagine if we were living like maybe a hundred years ago and this, like, you know, the, uh, like COVID-19, something like that would have happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure like, you know, I, I would have died inside my house, like, you know, just isolating. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. It's, it's been a pleasure to sit down and talk to you. Uh, I like, you know, uh, it was maybe um, three weeks ago, or maybe a month ago that I first contacted you and you were, you know, generous enough to uh, like, you know, grant me, uh, like, you know, the, the time. <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, at the time, maybe I didn't think it was going to be possible, but uh, thank you again for making it possible for me. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And like you, I think it has, you know, having the technology to connect with people everywhere in the world, it's been a real silver lining. And, and uh, you know, as always, I think um, there's ways out of, the chaos and I mean I don't know how I think in Iran it's a different situation and so kudos to you for coming up with a project that hopefully is interesting at least to you if not to anyone else <laughs> no and I'm sure um, yeah I'm sure it's going to be great and hopefully I'll speak to you again anyway if you've made it all the way to the end thank you so very much now, none of this would have been a possibility without your support, and without the support of Odibesh Pastry. They have a variety of amazing cookies and cakes, and not only do they look amazing, but they also taste wonderful. You can find them on Instagram, at Odibesh Pastry. This has been Ali Ruskash, the creator of the Air Podcast. This was the AR Podcast. A-R-R.